The greatest gift you can ever give is your honest self. Fred Rogers. Bending Not Breaking, Episode 3, The Southern Air Temple. Welcome back to another episode of Bending Not Breaking. I am Sunshine Mayfield, and I'm here with my co-host, Ben Pruitt. And we are so excited to get back to more Avatar The Last Airbender episodes. We are on episode three, The Southern Air Temple, and we're going to be looking through this episode with a lens of generosity. Um, ben, what what was that? When you were looking at and watching this episode, what was, when you think of generosity, what are you really thinking about? Well, there's a lot of things that come up with, with generosity. A lot of people think of generosity as like, I'm giving you things. I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give you that. It's gift giving. But I think generosity comes more from just the atti- the attitude that we have throughout our day can come from generosity. And so I, I think it's interesting to look at this episode through that lens because there's a lot to, to dive into. And a lot of lack of generosity is, I think, probably what we see throughout the course of this episode and how that really shapes and crafts how the characters act and behave from start to finish. Um, So we're going to go through the episode. Again, we will say this every episode. We are acting under the assumption that you have seen this episode and and probably at least seen the entire first season of Avatar The Last Airbender. If not, the whole series. put Put it on pause. If you haven't watched the episode, put it on pause. Go watch the episode, then come back and listen to us. But um, we're going to act under that assumption. So so plenty of spoilers coming through this episode. And we start with Aang waking up Sokka so that they can get on Appa and go to the Air Temple. Yeah, he's clearly really excited to go to the Southern Air Temple, finally. Plays a little joke. Plays a little like, you got a snake in your, your bag. Well, and like, so did you see that as a lack of generosity? I don't. I didn't read much into it, uh, to be honest. When it happened, I thought it was just kind of. Um, I think he's super excited, and sure, uh, he could have probably woken up Sokka in a different way. But I didn't read too much into how that played out. Well, to me, he seems he's so excited in this moment. He's finally getting to go home, and he is not willing to bend in this case. Uh, and let Sokka have his extra, you know, 20 minutes of sleep, right? It, like, is it, it seems interesting to me that he's just willing to kind of be like, nope, we're going to go because this is important and I'm going to make it so that you are ready to go. Yeah, which uh, kind of, now that you mention it, they do a lot of things that are on Aang's timeline, not necessarily the timeline of others, which is interesting. Like, so we'll see that in future episodes, but they take a lot of pit stops because Aang wants to, not necessarily because that's what everybody else is looking for. It's a lot of uh, pandering to his wants and cravings. Mm-hmm. and So that's you know. interesting to bring that up, that that could be a, a lack of generosity and in, in, in time and his time that he's willing to give Sokka. Well, and is it Katara and, and Sokka being very generous on their journey to the, you know, 
North Pole. Letting the master lead, he's going to take them to where they're going and let him lead the way along the way. Yeah, interesting. So we cut away from that. They, they get on Appa, and, and we cut away, and we get, um, we get Prince Zuko and Uncle Iroh arrive on the shores of the Fire Nation and are received by Commander Zhao. Um, and Zhao is... A jerk. Yes, very... Well, let's be generous in our assumptions of his character. <laughs> um, they get there, but they, they, they say off the bat, they're like, we gotta lie about... Prince Zuko says, we gotta lie about what's been going on and why our ship is damaged. We can't let people know that you know, well, he essentially what he says exactly is we have to lie about why or you know what happened. Well, I think it's so funny because Iroh comes in and says, "Like you mean we have to not talk about the Avatar?" And clearly, Zuko is talking about the fact that Av- the Avatar broke down his ship and busted it up. Right? That's clearly what he's talking about. So context clues, everything about Zuko tells us that he is talking about the Avatar. Is Iroh being dense on purpose? <laughs> and so I, I really question that. And so not dense on purpose. However, is he being generous by saying, I have made a miscommunication in the past. I have uh, assumed wrongly before. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask. And be as clear as possible. Yeah, because clear is kind. Well, and this is funny because this honestly highlights our relationship in, in a big way kind of um, you will say things and and ask for things and i will clarify to make sure that they're right on but it's sometimes seen as like yes obviously that is what i meant um and so i wonder for me it's always i think it is a i want to be clear as possible to make sure that i'm doing things exactly the way that they're being asked to be done. Well, and that's, and so I wonder if he's just doing the same thing, just like let's let's take any gray area out. You are specifically talking about the Avatar, um, but I also think that it, it could be they've been on on sea for what two years before they've seen Commander Zhao. I don't know exactly so, how long, but so maybe he's also asking: Are we lying about everything? Or are we lying about specifically the last two weeks? Yeah, I, I think it's interesting though because if. There are times in which you ask that question, and I don't see how there could be any other answer than the question you asked. For instance, I'm cooking spaghetti on the stove, and you say, hey, you cooking spaghetti? <laughs> and I'm like, yes, clearly, obviously, and I say this in my head, and then out loud, I'm like, uh-huh, right? When it would have been, to me, my perception is that it would have been more generous of you to not ask that question and waste my oxygen. But for you, <laughs> it's different. Yeah, I want you to be... Yeah, for me, it's, it's I see it as being generous on my time and creating conversation and connection, but maybe that's not what you're looking for in that moment. Well, I just think it's interesting because looking at the, that lens right there completely changes how somebody might look at Iroh's comment. Right. It also changes how you might look at Zuko just assuming that Iroh knows what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. So I just think that... Looking at it through this lens changes that flippant comment that that took half a second for these writers to make happen. Mm -hmm. Gives us quite a bit to talk about. Yeah. And so, well, they lie. They lie about what happened to their ship. And then they get this thing where Commander Zhao says, well, come and join me for drinks. And Zuko's like, "Mm, I don't really want to do that. But Iroh's like, hey, don't be disrespectful. Of course, we will join you for drinks. 
But we can already tell that Commander Zhao's intentions are probably not great. Yeah. Um, and so this isn't like, hey, come, let's kick it. Like, let's come join. You can have some drinks. I got stuff to share. But it's almost this, like, fake generosity of, like, hey, come have drinks with me. Well, I'm going to pretend to give you these things and these hospitality things. But my intentions are very much to try to pry information out of you. And so how does that really mirror, like, is it really generous if you're if you are expecting to get something in return? So I, I think it's less about expecting to get something in return, and I think it's more about, like, what is nice and politically correct versus what is kind. And if you look at the definition of generous, it's talking about being kind and being giving of your kindness versus being this, like, faux respectful that you're doing it under the guise of something else, right? Um, and so I think that that really talks about, like, what do you, like, there's this whole thing about, like, wow, we have to be politically correct. We can't say certain words and certain things in certain situations. We have to say it the right way in order to make everybody feel good. When really being clear is being kind, mm -hmm. right? And I feel like we often dance around that when talking about really tough subjects, i.e. any type of ism racism sexism ageism any of these things it's like oh we can't talk about that we have to use the exact correct language if we want to so that we can tiptoe around having the conversation and beat around the bush right but to be clear a lot of times the correct language like i, I think in those situations a lot of times people are like oh i have to use the correct language so no one gets offended and it's like no sometimes you want to use what is quote unquote the correct language because that's what's kind like that is that itself is what's kind not like so well and we talk about being political which is what Zhao that's what Zhao is doing right now mm -hmm. he's being political and so he is and so is Iroh yeah, oh absolutely yes. right he's like oh we're gonna absolutely pander this to this respect we can't turn him down because that would be again like when really them leaving and not being there in that moment would probably be more beneficial to them right and so it's interesting to me because we talk about like oh we have to be political about this situation which we have we have to quote unquote play the game mm -hmm. and they are very much playing the game in this moment everybody except for Zuko because Zuko's like I don't want to be in a situation where not interested I in playing the game could potentially have to lie or I, I you know it's better for me to be away from this situation as quick as possible so I can get back to my goal of catching the Avatar so question do you think Iroh is intentionally bringing Zuko into this situation. I think yes. Do I I don't know his what his intentions are, but I think that could be probably a couple of things. One, hey, I think you can handle this situation. I'm going to be generous in my in and the in your abilities, in my belief in your abilities. Um so I believe that you can handle this situation and we can come out positive on the other end and so we're going to go through it and it's going to be tough, but we're going to do it. Um or he's saying for us to continue to kind of fly under the radar, it's going to look weird and suspicious if we don't accept Commander Zhao's invitation right now. And so it, I think it could be either one, um, but I don't know which one yet. I think it's interesting to think about. I was listening to uh, The Avatar State on this episode, which is another podcast about the Avatar, um, and one of the people on the episode was talking about how he questions like because in theoretically in uh eastern society uh back in the day it was typical of um older members of the family to 
essentially guide younger people through situations uh, kind of without them realizing it. And mm -hmm. Zuko clearly doesn't realize that, you know, Iroh may or may not be walking him into the situation where he's going to eventually encounter Zhao in a, like, an Agni Kai, right? Agni Kai! Yeah, right? <laughs> and so I just, that's something to think about as we keep on moving through the episode. Yep, so at this point, um, they go and they get drinks, and then we cut back, and Sokka is... We're with our heroes on top of Appa as they're flying, and Sokka is hungry. Uh, he is really hungry. And it's a goes, through line throughout the episode. And he, he goes, oh, oh, does anyone know where my seal jerky is? And Aang immediately goes, ooh, ah, yeah, didn't know that was food. Used it as kindling last night for the fire. You jerk! Well, which is not Sokka's reaction. Right? A very, very weird. Like It was Sokka doesn't even think to be angry at Aang I don't know and I don't part of that might be that he's just so hungry but he is very generous in his reaction to Aang and just goes oh would have really loved some of that seal well, that's jerky. why the fire just smells fun, yeah, so good so like he's not even upset with Aang and I think that that's really interesting because I don't think he does it intentionally but he really it's assuming the best in people right he's very generous in his assumption and Aang didn't mean to do what he did he didn't know he was burning food um and so, but Sokka just immediately is like, oh, that would have been nice to have. I, I would have wished that we, we still had that. Well, and I think <laughs> it's interesting because, like, if I were Sokka here, again, I would have been pretty annoyed with the fact that Aang went through my stuff. But I had to, I, I thought about it for a second. I was like, do they all have separate stuff? Do they all have just one grouped bag? Like what? Like how does how does their what is their system? Right? Is their food all mixed together? Yeah, is that like, yeah? And so like, uh, but for me, I live in a situation where, again, I am coming from like a everything that we have is separate. Right. right? Stuff I, is labeled. I know what belongs to I me. I know what's yours. I know what's mine. My friend shouldn't come into my house and take my stuff without asking me. You're darn like, right. Exactly. Right. And so they're operating from a group mentality, which completely changes it. And I wonder. If that's if that's healthier, is that just by necessity? Is that their choice? And so I just think it's interesting to see how living that way changes their ability to be generous in this moment. Yeah. Well, and then so it, yeah, so Sokka's super generous in his response, and then we get to Katara, and Aang is so stoked to get to the Southern Air Temple, and Katara even says she, she goes, "Hey, you know, Aang, I just I want you to be prepared." This might not go down the way that you think it is. You might be really surprised with what things look like. And Aang kind of just disregards it. Well, I think it's important to point out, like, at the beginning of episode, she tried this already. Mm -hmm. So she tried once. So this time she's trying a different tact. And so this time she's getting a little vulnerable herself. She's telling her story about how her tribe and her family suffered through the, the war and Aang really just doesn't seem willing to go into that dark place yet. He right. is so much on his, like, this is going to be the best day. I'm going to go home. There's going to be all these people. They're going to greet me. And he is unwilling to, to go there yet because if he admits that, he will then also admit he has to let go of all this optimism that he's been holding on to. Right. So I think it's interesting that Katara is, again, she's trying to be generous. 
and trying to help him, but he's just unwilling to hear it. Well, and then later on, that leads to a very interesting moment where she kind of shifts gears, but we'll get there in a second. So we then go back to Zhao and Zuko, who are talking in the Fire Kingdom, uh, and Commander Zhao tells Zuko that the the Fire Nation will have covered the entire Earth by the end of the year. And Zuko responds with, if my father thinks that people are going to follow him blindly, he's a fool. You fool! And <laughs> that we get a little bit of a tift at this moment where there's a little bit of a uh, rough patch between Commander Zhao and Zuko. And then um, Commander Zhao asks about the Avatar search and how it's going. And Zuko plays it cool and says, like, don't know what you're talking about, haven't seen him, he's probably dead. Well, I think it's really interesting to think about the cognitive dissonance right there. So, Zuko wants so desperately to be accepted and loved by his father. Yep, that he is willing to lie about where the Avatar is. Not only that, but before that, in that moment, he's also willing to call his father a fool. Mm-hmm. Right? So, I think that's cognitive dissonance there. Like, I want to be loved by this person who is clearly not making an intelligent decision. Right? So, I think what we're getting here is we're seeing Zuko outwardly battle with his own ideals of the Fire Nation and the fact that his father is someone that he doesn't like admire in a way but that's interesting because he is very much trying to get home so that he can be loved by his father. Yep, that's the whole point, right? That's why he's not trying to let Commander Zhao know where the Avatar is because he knows that Commander Zhao will then chase him and if Zuko doesn't bring back the Avatar. He's lost his opportunity for love in his eyes. Like, his perception is that if he does not bring home Aang, that his dad will not accept him and let him back in. I just think it's interesting to see Zuko grappling with this in a way that I don't think he is consciously understanding that he doesn't agree with his father. I think he outwardly is saying that but i don't think internally he realizes yet that he doesn't agree with his father right right well and we also get this moment too where we had a conversation about it before but if it is for what is best for the fire nation and he is trying to assist in that then letting commander Zhao know that he's seen the avatar and getting extra help in catching him would be what is best for the fire nation but he intentionally holds it back because that is not what he is thinking about. He is thinking about how himself. Do, I, how do I belong? How do I get back into the good graces of my dad? And I think it's interesting because I think that's caused by the lack of generosity from his father when he banished him. Right. Right? By banishing Zuko and telling him the only way he's going to get home is to bring home the Avatar... That has essentially put Zuko in a position where he has to act out of his own self-interest instead of in the interest of the Fire Nation. Yes. And so uh, we go forward in this episode and his crew has ratted him out, essentially. They've interviewed his crew members. They confirmed the Avatar was on the ship and that he lost him. And Commander Zhao essentially says, wow, you were beaten by... A 12-year-old. How embarrassing. That's pathetic. Um, And then we see Commander Zhao is not giving enough credit. He doesn't really know how awesome Aang is at all of these things. And that it was pretty easy for him to escape because of 
his powers in airbending. Um, but he is already underestimating Prince Zuko's ability at this moment as well. Um, and we see that in the way that he just treats him, which really sets up the Agni Kai. In, in well, later. and frankly, the way he also treats Iroh. Mm-hmm. He's not like... He thinks Iroh's just an old man who old is, has been. Yeah, who is not good at what he's done anymore. And Iroh's just letting it happen. Drinking some ginseng tea. Just cares zero about <laughs> Every episode I watch, I am more and more in love with Iroh. I mean, like, if I can be him when I'm 75 years old, just like, let the, I'll be, all the I'll bad things roll off without right. a care. Like, ugh, I'm just going to drink my tea. I'm just going to sit here and drink some tea. So we, get, we go back to the Avatar and our heroes. And they are at the Southern Air Temple. And you can see that Aang is starting to get a little bit um, sad, melancholy, um, however you want to say it. But he's, his spirits are not up as he's there. He's remembering things, he's talking about things, but you can tell he misses family and misses um, people who've been around him before. And, and Sokka does something here that's really cool to me, and he just says, Hey, what, what's that over there? Let's play some air ball. Like, let's learn. I want to learn about this, and um, to the point where he takes a physical beating in, in the well, in the know, way he wants to make Aang feel better. So, you and I have worked with children for a long time mm -hmm. in our professional life, and so this is a tactic we use with homesick kids all the time. Absolutely, right? Redirection, Dis distract, redirect, mm -hmm. um, and so this makes me question that because I wonder if Sokka could have greeted Aang in that moment where Aang was finally in a place where he was he was getting sad and w almost ready to grapple with the emotion that he has to deal with. And so, should Sokka have let Aang process his feelings a bit more here, could that have prevented his venture into Avatar State later? Yeah. Well, and then what we really get to is the, the next part where they hide it from Aang, where, where they have found the helmet of a Fire Nation soldier. Katara says, hey, hey Aang, I gotta show you this. Immediately covers it up and changes her mind and says, nope, he's not ready. And, well, and then Sokka says, you can't protect him forever. Yep. So, As if he didn't just try to protect him. Well, I wonder, too, if, like, one was, hey, this is proof that this is not gonna be things, or if this is, hey, I'm just gonna make you feel better, right? Like, I'm just gonna... Yeah. And so, you know, in, in the terms of homesick kids, sometimes we know that we have to redirect because a spiral happens where we talk about their feelings, but then it becomes irrational and unhelpful where the kids are going. Um, and it's not necessarily safe or healthy emotions. Like and they so, go into Avatar State? Like they're going into their version of homesick Avatar State. And so we have to redirect them just, just to get them into a safe place for a little bit before we even like come back and retouch on the issue. That's a good point. Um... And so I wonder if that's a little bit of what Sokka was doing. Hey, like, let's talk a little bit about this. Let's let's focus on some more of the good stuff. Once the helmet shows up, it's probably about time to say, hey, this is proof, and we've, we've got proof now, and so, like, it's probably important to talk about this. But, again, we have an instance of someone not believing that someone can handle something, and so they hide it from them or protect them from it. And the reality is... Had Katara brought it up, I think you do have a better setup for Aang not going in Avatar State, and he's going to be more aware of his emotions, and he's going to have more control. And so how often, whether it is... Well, how often do we protect people by not being honest under the guise of, I'm, I'm being helpful, they're not ready for it, but really 
to decide whether or not someone's ready for it. It's not on us. It's something that they need to be. Well, able you to see do that with. all the time in like love story arcs that where you know one person's going off into battle and that you can't leave me here. I like you have to like it's what is it? Um, like Mr. and Mrs. Smith is an example, I think, where like that's a really bold thing to pull into this. Okay, I've <laughs> never seen that movie. Terrible I've never movie. Watched. Like I'm not gonna lie, but it's like one of those things where like they try to protect each other and they're both spies doing equal work, right? And right. so they're like, and then they realize and they're like, what? We're each other's targets. Right? Yeah. And it's just interesting to me because they try to protect each other, and in this moment they're trying to protect each other, but it's really just like they can both handle this. You know they can. We're going to see Aang handle a lot more throughout the rest of this season and this series. I just think it's so interesting to me that we're trying to protect people from things that it's not our place to decide whether they can handle it or not. Well, and just like anything else, if they aren't ready, we can help coach them to be ready. To, and I, What I think of most likely when I think of situations that go down in, in real life um, are... When a when parents are getting divorced and how they talk to that about their to their kids, yeah. Or so when right here, here the the analogy there is they just saw their parents their like their parents were fighting right here. Mm -hmm. This is that's the Fire Nation helmet. Parents are fighting and they're like, oh, I can't let them see that. Nope, they're everything. They're all good. Instead, later on when they find Monkey Yatso. Yeah, just surrounded by the fire. So, like, you well, see what could have been a hint, but then they walk into what is essentially a, the, the affair happening. Yeah, right. Right? Exactly. Walk in on the affair. And, like, so, like, essentially, that's that's terrifying. Well, and, how, and so how often do we hide that type of stuff? Another th time I think we see it a lot in, in our life is when, how do I talk to my kids about the LGBTQ community and how do I pitch that to them? Yes. And... They're not ready to understand that. They're not ready to understand what a, who a trans individual is. Mm -hmm. They're not ready for this. They won't understand. And the reality that. is, I think a lot of the times that points to we're not ready to tell them. Yeah. Like, I, and I wonder if Katara is protecting Aang because she's not ready to have the, that conversation with Aang, but pushes. Well, it's it under interesting. The guise I think of, she was ready to have that conversation, but after seeing Aang get sad already, mm -hmm. I think that changed it. And she's like, "Oh no, I'm not. Well, I'm not I can't go there. That's going to be too much." She and I, we, I think both you and I agree that having that conversation with Aang in that moment would have set up the rest of the episode in a much yeah. better and productive. I way. thought of a much better analogy than Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Great, because so I would like so, to have so, a better analogy so than Mr. Dumbledore Mrs. protects Harry for five years from the prophecy. Spoiler yes right protects yep. him for years after he has faced Voldemort multiple times yep right and he even talks about it in the book at the end of the of Order of the Phoenix where he sits there and says like I wanted to talk to you about this after your first year but then I was like nah you've got too much and then I wanted to talk to you about it in your second right? year but then I was like nah you've had too much and then again and again uh, and again until finally he had had to tell Harry yep right and so I think this is a great like parallel in a way um where I think Harry would have been better off had he known sooner. Well, I think most of the time that's the case. The more honest and, and transparent we can be about decision-making processes in our families, with the people that we love, do it in a way that makes sense. But sometimes that transparency needs to be there. And at this moment, Katara is not very generous in the credit that she's giving Aang and his ability to handle what is going to be a very tough situation. 
and we see it later in the episode leads to him physically hurting Sokka um, because of how overwhelmed he is with his emotions um, and we can talk more about that once we get to that part portion of the episode yeah. so a lot goes down right here in this air ball finding the Fire Nation helmet um, and it's really important and brings up a lot of how do we talk to people uh, you know are we truly protecting people when we are not giving them credit and we saw it again with Commander Zhao and underestimating Suko, and it ends up coming back to hurting Commander Zhao in the end as well. But for now, let's talk about Monkey Gato. So we then um, flash back to Monkey Gato and the cake and the air throw, and him talking about how Aang was probably shouldn't have been told at the age of 12. So that goes against everything we really just said but even monkey Atso is kind of like mm, i don't think they should have told you at 12 i think they should have told you when you were 16 about being the avatar but we can't focus on what's in the past we can only fo focus on what is now and help me throw these cakes at these other monks and then they enter the air temple they use airbending to open the door and then we meet um then it cuts back to zuko being reprimanded by commander zhao and he is holding uh, Iroh and Zuko captive. Iroh asks for more tea. Because um, he loves his <laughs> ginseng tea. And um, we get another little fight and argument about that. They then cut back to the Southern Air Temple. And we start to learn about the Avatar cycle. And all of these people. And how they're connected. And how they're in this Air Temple. And the statues and the in the... They're talking more and more about the lore of how you move from person to person. And then a shadow, a door opens and a shadow starts to come. And immediately, boom, we've got people hiding, thinking that the Fire Nation is there. And so how does this really play in the generosity? I think this speaks to the generosity we have when we are physically unsafe. Wow. And I think you brought it up to me as we were watching the episode that... If you are feeling emotionally and physically unsafe, your ability to be generous almost dissipates completely. Yeah. Well, in this moment, they assume the worst. They assume the worst and assume that that shadow is a Fire Nation soldier. And so they are immediately go to, we have to protect ourselves. We have to act out of when. So fight, flight, or freeze came into effect. And it was fight, right? And they, so they had to fight back and get ready when really there was nothing that was going to hurt them, right? But because they're in a situation in a culture and in a society in which they constantly have to fear for their safety, they're gonna assume the worst, right? Out of self-protection. And so when we do that, I think it's really detrimental to our positivity and our ability to be generous. And I think that that's like terrifying a little bit especially in today's day and age. Yeah, well, you can't, because you can't fault the characters for making the decisions that they did because... That would have protected them. Yeah, absolutely. They would have been safer. If they would have just stayed there and it was a Fire Nation soldier, it would have been the end, right? And it, it very well could have been. Right. And so, of course, they're going to jump to the worst, but again, you, you are not able to be generous if you are in a place of physical or emotional... Well, and let's be real here in... Unsafe. In the United States... We are currently living in a world where being safe, our safety feels a little threatened. When all we see in the news is terrorist attack here, mass shooting there, 
right? Right. We are constantly, constantly hearing about things that are a detriment to our safety. Right. And so how do you combat that, right? How do you, if we are saying right now that it makes sense that if you are feeling unsafe that it's going to be tough to be generous, we see that every day in the way that people interact with others. How do we push back on that and start to create more generosity as we move forward, knowing that that's where we need to go. There needs to be more hope. There needs to be more safety. But can you get mad at someone for not assuming the best when they feel unsafe? And so how do we how do we push that forward? Well, I think that it goes back to that the old uh, story about there being there are two wolves inside us. One is anger. One is you know kindness and generosity, etc. And they're battling and the I think the story is the father or grandfather telling the child about this and the child asks well which one wins and they answer whichever one you feed and so I think in this moment the answer to your question is we have to cultivate a practice of generosity it cannot be like this mentality where oh yeah I'm gonna be I'm gonna be kind and then you don't put action to it we have to attach action to our being generous and we have to cultivate that and do it and practice it daily and I think it also creates a, you got to create a self-awareness right so you have to know which one you're feeding and why you're feeding it absolutely um, because you have to sit there and say it is okay to sit there and say I'm not being generous right now in my actions why I have to know why mm. Um, mm. and that that takes a little bit of self-digging why did I behave this way why did Aang hide why did Sokka hide because they felt unsafe and these were and that was the reason and so they have to you have to be aware of your internal emotions and that's why emotional intelligence i think is so important because it leads to our physical actions um so we find out that it's a lemur <laughs> yes we it's do. not the fire nation it's a lemur and Sokka says oh food and ang says oh pet and they both chase it and they chase it all the way um, until they get to a room. Well, I think it's really funny to and it outline the humor here, too, is, like, Sokka tries to, you know, knock Aang out of the way. Aang, of course, starts airbending and walking on the wall. Right. And then trips Sokka with an airbending move. And so, like, clearly Sokka was outmatched here. Absolutely. <laughs> it was just a little... Uh, That's going to be a running theme for a majority of the season, yeah. Sokka being outmatched. Um, but then we cut back to... Zhao and um, Prince Zuko and there's a little bit of a you know well, who's the better person who's be going to catch the avatar Zhao speaks truth oh this is a moment where Zhao sits there and says look you are trying to catch the avatar to get back home your dad doesn't want you home and it doesn't matter if you catch the avatar or not because if your dad truly wanted you there he would have brought you back by now. And that hurts. And it hurts. And it, let's be real. He wasn't being very generous in his delivery. No, he was not. But he's but he's right. Uh, and but and we kind of it's this weird dissonance that we've talked about already. But Zuko really believes that bringing the Avatar home will allow him to belong to his family again. His dad will be proud of him. But there's so much that has gone wrong in this, and so many moments of proof. That that's not going to be the case, but Zuko still really holds on to that hope of of belonging and that hope of and because of that Agni Kai and because of that Agni Kai we're peeking the speakers when we're saying Agni Kai, um, but 
yes, Agni Kai, this battle, this challenge, and we get a moment where Uncle Iroh turns to Prince Zuko and says, don't forget about what happened the last time you fought a master. I will never forget. I will never forget is Zuko's response. And then we go back to the air temple, and we, the lemur has led Aang and into a room with Monkey Yatso's skeleton and hundreds of, well, maybe tens, fifty soldiers, quite fire, a few, a lot of Fire Nation soldiers surrounding him. So you know that one, um, got to put up a fight. He, he, yeah, he's kind of a badass, right? So like, <laughs> um, he took him down and and did what he had to do, and but we get this moment where Aang it finally clicks with Aang of what's happened and his emotions get to a point where he can't control them and it turns into what I call mega avatar state um, because this is different than the avatar state when he fell into the ocean and it, well, like and he survived right? and like came back up this one is filled with rage and confusion and anger and yeah um, and sadness and that has created this massive energy that creates this avatar state well, and I he think goes I think we nuts. need to like we have to witness here that the Avatar state is very much attached to his emotions. Yes. Where the first one we saw was very much survival. There was no right. emotions in it at all. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, he was about to drown. Maybe he was terrified in that moment. Correct. Let's be real. And so, like, we don't know. But I, I, I have to assume here that when he gets into emotions that are out of his depth, that he, that are, where he is overwhelmed and overcome by any emotion that he goes into avatar state right and so i think it's interesting in this moment again could this have been prevented by giving ang that chance to like feel compassion and like understand that grief a little sooner bit by bit than by having it hit him all at once in this moment yeah, absolutely. I truly believe that we could have prevented him going into an uncontrollable avatar state here. Well, and how often as, as kids, as adults, yes. do we go into our emotional avatar state because of not processing what we're feeling? Absolutely. And so what we see that in the shape of form of, uh, as when a, a child is crying and, and slamming his feet on the ground um, in a grocery store because you know we didn't buy him craft mac and cheese and we with know the with the shapes and we know that that is an irrational response to that as an adult sometimes but for him that's his world that's his world and he that's what that child is feeling and because that child doesn't know how to process those feelings the only way they react is through that show of emotion through that avatar state as an adult we see that when people attack us in a one-on-one -on -one debate and they attack our opinions but we don't necessarily have the mindset of how to process the anger or the discomfort that we're feeling and so we start to feel unsafe and we lash out and we lash out and say something we don't mean we lash yeah. out and we throw a controller well i think it's <laughs> also interesting to think about like Brene brown talks about this uh fabulous author for those of you who don't know her um, she also talks about how when we are in shame, we are ten times more likely to act on that shame and bring like bring others into it, 
right? And so when we are in shame, we are most prone to doing shameful things that we then just like shame spiral mm -hmm. into and it becomes worse and worse and worse, right? And I think that this is just another example, right? Where like we get into this moment where we are in pain and then Sokka gets thrown into a wall, right? Yep. And then like all blasted. these things, like the people are getting hurt because of Aang in this moment, mm -hmm. right? Which is not what Aang wants to do. That's not Aang as a person, but because he's not, controlled his emotions because he wasn't prepped for this because they never processed it he hurt someone that he cares about um and, and Sokka in the episode is not hurt hurt but he was thrown into a wall so he had to be a little hurt just jarring yeah. to say the least um and so what is how does that play in our own lives but I think you know for us we lash out we lash out when we're in that shame when we are, are confused and fearful and we don't know how to process it those are the moments that we're we're gonna snap back at someone with a snarky comment we're gonna make sure that we hurt them before they hurt us by saying something that's that's cruel um and we have our emotional avatar state and so i think that you're right if they would have if they would have been generous enough in what they thought that Aang could handle prior to this they could have had a, a conversation before it blew up out of control absolutely and we see that happen in the way that we interact with people all the time well and i think it's also interesting to think about this um when Aang goes into avatar state all of the avatar statues light up light up Right, and then across all, all nations, across exactly every temple mm -hmm. with avatar statues start. They all start glowing, mm -hmm. and that's when the Fire Nation officially becomes aware that Aang is back. Right. My question, just as a food for thought, is why didn't his prior avatar states make those go off? And so I think for me, I, I believe that his prior avatar states were not ones that were as strong. I think. The other ones were like a little bit of survival, a little bit of like the standard like, nope, you can't die yet. Like we're going to get you to the Avatar state so you can survive. This one is filled with emotions on top of survival and need for safety. And so like when you take all of those things combined, I think that the emotions that he was feeling were so strong that that's what triggered everything else. So I, I, I think of them as separate levels. You have Avatar State, and then you have Mega, Mega Avatar State. And so I think that's where he was at um, in that moment as well. Gotcha. That was, that's my theory. Interesting theory. That's I mean, my theory. And, I mean, and there are other theories out there. I just think it's interesting to to think about it. So at this point, Katara's like, all right, I'm going to try to calm him down. And then they cut back to Prince Zuko and Commander Zhao and the Agni Kai. Agni Kai! And they start to fight, and it is not looking good for Prince Zuko, but then... It, you know, they do a couple bouts. Remember fire, your everyone. foundation. Yep. They start to do the training, and then Zuko gets knocked down, but in the process, does a sweet like spin kick that knocks Commander Zhao off of his foundation, so that he can't generate fire. And then Zuko gets him on the run, gets him onto the ground, and blasts a fireball right next to his head. And why did, why did that generosity exist there for for Prince Zuko? Why did he not? Because we already we've seen the scars on his face. We know that that's not the fate that he had last time he was in a battle with the Master. Yeah. Well, Zhao received the generosity that his that Zuko's father never gave Zuko. Like Fire Lord Ozai burned Zuko to the point where he had a massive scar on his face. And to think about a ch like a father doing that to a child. Yeah, there's not like, only a child, but your own son. Yep, you're like the one that, as a child, you're expecting this person to be your caregiver. That's the number one person that you are 
be connected to. Right? And so the mercy from Zuko in this minute right here is like, wow. That's incredibly impressive from a 16-year-old who has received that treatment as well. And I think Zuko's had 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 two options there. I think had he taken Zhao down and burned him, I think that he would have been so much like his father and he knew how much he didn't really truly want that. Well, it's almost like that standard, like this is it's the red blue pill moment. It's a um, dark side, light side, Star Wars moment of like, which one are you going to choose? And we see him make a decision that we as an audience can like get behind. Yeah. And you're, you start to think you're like, is... Zuko really as bad as well, Zuko's, we think he exactly. is. This is like this is clearly foreshadowing what happens later with Zuko's character. Well, and so right after this happens, Zuko starts to walk away, and Commander Zhao tries to cheap shot him, and he winds what up a jerk. And Uncle Iroh catches his foot, throws him, and it's again clearly Iroh is adept. Right? I right. Think, again, we've seen Quickly Iroh catches being, this foot. Like, he is clearly on, still on his game. Right. And he says, you know, he keeps Zuko from then getting re-angry and, and, and attacking um, Commander Zhao and says, don't taint your victory. And then he looks at Commander Zhao and says, this is what you doing. Defeat? Like, I'm embarrassed for you. Zuko's got more honor than you will ever have. Um... And you get this moment of why it almost seems like it hurts the fact that Zuko didn't justify Commander Zhao's anger makes him more angry, and that's why he sends the sheep shot. That's how I almost take it. Like, if he would have just done what Commander Zhao expected, then, like, then he would be justified in his feelings for yes, Prince Zuko. Exactly. But since he doesn't do that, that almost makes him more angry because he's not able to figure out why Prince Zuko would show mercy on him. Well, it's easier to be and so angry. he's about to sit there and say, well, that's weakness, and then I'm going to do this back. Exactly. Well, it's easier to be angry at Zuko than to grapple with the fact that he just lost to a 16-year-old. Right. After making fun of a 16-year-old for losing to a 12-year-old. Exactly. Um, and so there's a lot of shame there but that he's sh- dealing with. And, and the way that he does that is pretty terrible. But we, again, see Uncle Ira, who is on top of his game, um, be very supportive of, of Zuko. And Zuko says, hey, did you really mean that? Like, and clearly then, takes it to heart. Yeah. Like, that really sunk in with Zuko. Mm-hmm. And it seems like that's, like, the first time that he's starting to believe it. Yep. And so then we get a moment of... Because as they're leaving, Uncle Ira says, you know, he's got more honor than you'll ever have, and thank you for the ginseng tea. And Zuko goes, did you really mean that? And he goes, yeah, I love ginseng tea. Um, is that not really a moment? Did, did Uncle Iroh miss a moment where he could have said, no, I really mean that. I believe you have that much honor. Um, I think there's two ways to look at that. Yeah. And I think there's probably way more than that, but there are two that I'm thinking of. One is that I wonder if Iroh knows Zuko well enough to know that if he really leaned into that moment, that Zuko wouldn't have taken it uh, as seriously. I wonder if Zuko so misidentifies with being honorable in this moment that, or not in this moment, but in general, that he wouldn't have taken that comment 
quite so seriously had Iroh really said, yes, you are more honorable and really leaned into it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one option. I think the other option is <laughs> Iroh's just trying to continue continue to bond with him by poking and making fun and making a joke. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I just wonder if that's a moment, like, how often do we do that where we're on the verge of, like, giving someone a true compliment? And because that creates a little bit of vulnerability, yeah, that we make a side joke instead instead of leaning into yeah what could have been a cool bonding moment my, my instinct tells me that iroh is playing the long long, <laughs> long game. game on that um exactly well then we finally cut back um and we see katara who is getting ang and, and bringing him down out of the avatar state and she says something along the lines of like we're your family now you don't have to worry about this we're your family and he comes out of the avatar state apologizes they make nice and then we see the lemur bring Sokka some food and then we get the end of the episode so the only thing that you know out of this is kind of standard is yeah you know you're you're safe you got people to be with they're very generous in their kindness and then allowing him to be a part of the group um but they they all need each other at this point well i think it's interesting that what grounds ang eventually literally grounds him because he's in the air is katara talking about how their family right so to me it's interesting because like the antidote to a social wound is a social bomb mm-hmm. right and so in this moment ang is really feeling a immense grief due to the loss of his family right and what he, what grounds him is realizing that katara and Sokka are essentially his family and they're bringing him in and he belongs somewhere right yeah i think that's really i wonder if that will continue to show up as ang um deals and grapples with his overwhelming emotions yeah absolutely and then we finally get this final moment where it goes back to what we're talking about and the safety that is needed to be generous mumu the lemur now feels safe momo momo sorry momo feels safe and in this moment is, is able to bring Sokka food um, to end the episode. And so I think that it just kind of plays back into when we're physically and emotionally safe, we feel like we can be generous. When we aren't, we feel like we can't be. And again, they say, welcome to the family. Yep. To Momo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Moo No, it's... <laughs> Stop doing that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's... That's the end of the episode, and do you have any final thoughts, anything that we wanted to capture that we didn't go over in the process um, at all, kind of as we were going through? Um, I don't think so. I think we hit a lot of the things that I wanted to talk about. The only thing I think we didn't potentially mention is I, I wonder if Sokka was partly being hungry so loudly is, like, was he trying to be bring humor into it? to lift up the group and distract Aang, and I wonder if that was intentional. That is an interesting thought process. We'll let, we'll let that float in the air for a little bit, but... What are your thoughts, yeah. listeners? Tweet back at us. Um, we'll be right back with our final thoughts. Welcome 
welcome back everybody. We are this week talking about the fire stage and the avatar cycle through the lens of generosity. And so uh, we're going to just kind of break down like we have the past couple weeks uh, this element and kind of figure out what comes up around it. And so sunshine, what you got? Yeah. What does fire mean to you? I think, I always think of fire as uh, it provides light, it, it's warmth. It has the ability to allow us, if we use it properly, to to solve a lot of things. It's a it's a natural purifier. Um, we use it to, to cook and to, to heat and to provide shelter um, when used correctly. And so I, when it thinks of all the other pros, I, I kind of think of that that romantic passion that comes with fire um, and the warmth that we're able to kind of provide others uh, is the way I kind of view the element. Yeah, and I think that there's. A pro and con, just to kind of bridge the gap, you're talking a lot about all the strengths that like fire can bring. It also has no fear of confrontation. Like it's not scared to just bring up the tough things. It's gonna it's gonna burn regardless of where it's going, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it's interesting because I think that can also be a challenge where it's there is no fear of confrontation, where sometimes a little uh, healthy restraint could have been helpful in that moment. And I think fires that way. I think it also like when I think of burn, burning out, it can burn out quickly. It has a tendency to, I think that like, it's it can be unbalanced. Mm -hmm. And I think that it can sometimes be insensitive. And I think that fire needs that, that container sometimes to in order for it to be a useful tool. Well, yeah, it's interesting you say container because I was also when I think of fire is that like it spreads and it spreads without hesitation. And if you do not keep it and and treat it with the respect it kind of deserves, that it very can quickly just become uncontrollable and do a lot of damage. I mean, um, as is an example in what is current today as we record, there's a lot of wildfires in California that are just raging mm -hmm. and going like full will. Um, and they're pretty devastating. Yeah, and it's just like any other element, it can be a tool, but it can also be incredibly destructive. Yeah. Um, and so what are the things that you're, you kind of want to do and look at in, in your upcoming week? What do you want to do that really gets after generosity when we're looking at that through the lens of, of fire and the element of fire? So I think that... I am often a very guarded person, and what I love about fire is that it's 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 not. Um, it just goes wherever the wind takes it, essentially, and I love that. And so the idea that it has no fear of confrontation, that it's so willing to just go where it needs to go in order to continue and, and exist, I think when I think about my generosity, it's often uh, held in and it's not shared. And I really want to use the fire that I have in me to remove that barrier and to really be kind to others without holding back, to be kind to strangers. Like what I've so often been like, wow, I really like, you know, that haircut or she's very pretty or he's what a really cool guy. I'm so glad I got to meet him. But because we don't have that relationship, I hold back. And so I wonder what it would be like if I were unre if I had unrestrained generosity that spread like wildfire. Yeah, yeah. I think for me it's it's a for me to be the the most kind self that I can be. That requires a lot of understanding of, of my own personal emotions. And we in the context of what we talked about today in the episode, 
I want to make sure that I am finding out how to contain my fire so that when I don't get overwhelmed, I don't lash out and become destructive. And so for me to be the, the, the kindest and, and most generous that I can be, making sure that I have a, a general understanding of, of my emotions and, and taking time this week to really reflect on why I do things and behave a certain way um, so that it is, I'm less likely to lash out and be hurtful, I think is um, something I want to focus on this week. Yeah. And so I really am interested in, for our listeners, like what are y'all doing that is where you are being generous? Is it generous? generous with yourself? Are you being generous with others? And how are you doing it through this lens of fire? And tell us that through several different ways. We have, uh, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we have uh, Gmail, so that you can follow us uh, at the Arc of E on Instagram, you can follow us at the Arc of E on Twitter, and then if we'd love to hear your stories on what this episode has meant to you, what Avatar means to you, um, so shoot us an email at um, the arc of e at gmail.com and, and we gladly accept voice memos if you have a really cool voice memo and you want to share that story audibly we may or may not share that on a, another episode coming up absolutely thank you all so much for listening today um, we will be back next week when we discuss episode 4 the warriors of Kyoshi and we are looking at that through a lens of pride so don't miss that We'll be back next week. Thank you all so much for listening. I am Sunshine Mayfield. And I am Ben Pruitt. And this has been Bending Not Breaking, an RKP production. And we will see you next time.